the future of photography. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Future of Photography. My name is Chris Markward. With me is Adrian. Hey. Hey, how you doing? Doing good. We're still missing the two others. But next episode, definitely, definitely promise. <laughs> yes, it's already scheduled, actually. The recording it's... for that is already scheduled. So we've, I've got reasonably high confidence <laughs> on that. That's good. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, we have another episode uh, catching up on tech. I'm... Um, yeah, we haven't done one of these in a while. Just just a little bits and bobs kind of thing. Just a few loose ends here and there, a few news uh, kind of thing. Um, before we go there, of course, the question again. Do you have a highlight? Did you choose oh. one? <laughs> or am I putting you on the spot? You are you are putting me on the spot. Uh, and since, so since last week's show, nobody has yet invented roller skates with proper brakes. So, <laughs> so I can't okay. even... I can't even claim that as my highlight. I will, I will fill in. I have a, I have one. And uh, it is a workshop that I have held together with Boris uh, around happy shooting here in Germany, here in the house in the Viewfinder Villa. And it was one of those themed workshops. We do these um, a few times a year. It's one, one is about people photography. One is about uh, tabletop photography. And one is about light and that was the light workshop and it was really interesting because all of those all of the people on the workshop were about about 10 people here and all of them were good photographers right we 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 have a, a little homework thing before the workshop i i ask people to bring a two or three photos that fit the workshop topic so we can do a review session we kick it off with a review session and uh, and a discussion about these photos and every time those are like really good photos but when we go into the details on how does the camera do that and why do some photos not turn out the way because the camera's automatic systems are fooled by something and you don't really know what the camera's doing so um it's really interesting because we had so many light bulbs going all on over people's heads during the workshop um just by by simply explaining what what exposure measurement is what metering actually is and how it works that's cool i like that it, it's, I, I it's like one of that. those basics you know and if you shoot with an old camera with a with analog camera that doesn't have a light meter that's kind of what you have to learn and the the systems in the camera is kind of don't make it necessary to learn anymore but once you learned it you'll be so much better when it comes to yeah not not overexposing clouds or a wedding dress or just just exposing things the right way getting the colors right that kind of stuff uh, it's, I love doing it's that. really interesting i i i because i even on my modern digital cameras i i actually use the different metering modes um uh yeah and so you're right i mean e even though that uh, i'm i'm uh, i guess I, i'm still using aut automatic metering i'm actually using the metering modes to make sure i get the the, the metering i want if you see what i mean so mm -hmm. <laughs> you know sometimes that's um sometimes it's it's a a, a point um yeah you want to you want to, to to expose on a certain point and i love it when a camera these days some of these modern cameras now they'll do the uh they'll do the metering from uh the same as the focal point that you choose for your autofocus yeah. and and that, that i use quite a lot in portraiture 
um, because then you can you put your focal point over the over the subject and you're you're metering for the subject right and and that's you know but then other times you just want to put it on you know me, um, matrix or average or whatever it uh, or, or center weighted or but whatever it's, it's and just interesting it how it. people don't really understand how these things work it really is and it's it's you you bring so much joy into people's photography when they are when they finally have the feeling they are in control now it's not the yes. camera being in control yes. but you are in control it it is and and i think it's you know even today when i get a new camera i find that sort of thing bewildering until i've learned how that camera actually does certain things because yeah. yeah when you when you know a camera you take it for granted don't you because you just you're in tune with it um, and and then then you somebody gives you another camera to try out that's different, or you, or you maybe buy a new camera, and all of a sudden you're back to square one again. So yeah. that must be that must be nice to lead a workshop where 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 you're you're bringing so much joy to so many people. <laughs> I love I love doing it. I, that's one of the reasons I love doing it because yeah, it empowers people. I think that's the, the empowerment is the is the important thing. Even with today's oh. cameras, I mean, you have a you have a mirrorless camera, and the mirrorless camera, of course, gives you through its viewfinder gives you the what is what you see is what you get kind of approach right you can see where the exposure is going but um but then you learn that those displays are not to be trusted because they're not calibrated they're not like profiled they just will will give you not the exact thing that you will get so that that is true to a point especially with the older ones but it's not about being precise as such it's about being in the right it's about being pretty almost there so so i would say i would argue that for the for the camera that i use which is four or five years old uh, but has an evf Mm -hmm. and when i'm using it in that mode i'm not expecting it to come out precisely there because yeah what i want to do is get within the uh the latitude let's say to to borrow a word from the analog photography i want to get within the latitude of my sensor so that I know that I'm going to be able to just do a minor tweak and I'm not going to lose any detail that I want to hold and stuff like that you know, when, when it comes to, to, to seeing it off the camera. Yeah, and, so. and that, that was kind of the thing that, that we put the entire workshop under, um, that in, in 80% of your photography, you will never need that, right? The camera will do the right thing. Um, what this workshop is about is that the rest, the 20%, where you kind of want to be precise and want it, get to get it right. Um, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, because so, there, there are always ways. I mean, most of the time you can achieve what you need to achieve just with the exposure compensation. Oh, totally. Dial, totally. You? It's like, oh, it's two stops too bright, right? I'll, I'll just dial that down a bit. The cameras are um, amazing these days when it comes to the colors and uh, and exposure. But yeah, some things will some things will throw a wrench in the in the gears. Yeah. Anyway, today's episode again, bits and bobs. I have a few things that. Um, that I found interesting. The first one is not about photography, but it's kind of photography related. Uh, you are aware of the term deepfakes. Oh, yeah. Well, I've enjoyed our conversations about it. Exactly. Yes, we, we have talked about them here. Um, but there is another deepfake, um, another type of deepfakes that is not about photography. It's about audio. It's about faking someone's voice. And when you see the deepfake videos, like there's some some very well-known ones out on on youtube uh with obama saying things that he never said so that's a that's a a mixture of a deepfake video and a deepfake voice because you can kind of artificially generate voices that sound like a person and 
this is a, a, a message I, I think Gizmodo uh, had it on. We'll link to that. Um, about a scammer who successfully deepfaked a CEO's voice. I saw this. That, he, was, that was a good story. He called someone and a deepfaked voice in the company and the deepfaked voice of the CEO gave orders to transfer funds to a third party for whatever reason they made up. And uh, that ended up, the, the company ended up transferring 220,000 euros. It's like almost a quarter million US dollars. That's a lot of money. <laughs> I think it was about a supplier. The, the, the fake story was like, the supplier needs the payment and this is important. And the voice was so good that the money is now apparently gone. It went to an account and was instantly transferred somewhere else. And I don't know if they will be able to get it back, but it's an interesting and kind of scary demonstration of how far this whole thing has come. It is, but but in the back of my mind, and, and I guess not all of our listeners will know this, but by profession, I'm actually an accountant, right? Um, I haven't had a, a, a an accounting job in, in 20 years, but that, that that's how I got my my start in my career. Um, and so all I I also see the other side of this, which is that all of those business controls that weren't there, and 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 I I hope somebody got fired for for making large payments without going through due process. You know, you know, the social engineering aspect here is really interesting because I remember how maybe four or five years ago I received an email from someone I knew, and that person, the email was very like, "Help! I'm in in a real big." I have a real big issue here. I'm traveling in some country and uh, I got my stuff stolen and I need some money and could you transfer some? Ah, okay. <clears throat> but it came from a person that I knew and it came from their email. So someone hacked their email address. Yes. Yeah. And uh, sent this to everyone in their address book. And uh, I was, for a second, I was torn. It was It was something like, I just need a couple of hundred dollars to be able to get to the embassy and get a new oh, passport. Oh, yes, it wasn't asking for your life savings. Then not at all, not like at all. That, it was it was a sum that, hey, if a friend is in, 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 a, in, a, in if a friend get, got his stuff stolen, of course you want to help them. So yeah. it was, I was, for a second, I twitched. I was like, oh. And then I was, I, and then I went on Google. <laughs> I was <laughs> yep. like, hmm, this it's interesting and i googled some of the sentences from there and it was verbatim the same thing that other people have received and it was clear but um that was just email now just add a, a convincing voice on top of that and yeah. then and then maybe add a, maybe add a company that has very yeah that, that that plays fast and loose with these kind of things and normally a call from the ceo is plenty good to get something moving you know you realize of course that this is also a threat to me and you so if you you i'm sure you've seen the uh, the adobe software demos where if they listen oh, yes. to uh, you know 20 minutes of somebody's voice you can you can that might be what they use what this completely used, you know? uh, oh yeah let's blame adobe yeah okay <laughs> <laughs> but the um you know you and i uh, could entirely be replaced by adobe software at some point in the not too distant future i mean clearly you know you need a whole team of writers uh, you know like the simpsons to to replicate this magic but yeah you know, 
it, it could be done. It, well, it do you be. need a team of writers? Because uh, I I think a, a certain percentage, and it's not very small, of of um, the the news that are out there are now being written automatically. Oh, well, I like to think that we're so good at this stuff that yes, we would need a team of writers. <laughs> <laughs> you wish. <laughs> well, but then hey, you can have the AI do the podcast for you, and you rake in all the all the sponsorship money. Oh yeah, because we're really doing that. <laughs> we should be working on that. Maybe we should. Maybe the thing is to get the AI to do the podcast so that we can dedicate the time we currently spend making the podcast to, we, to causing the cash to flow. And and you know you you need you need time to spend all that money. That That's what nice. we use the time for. That would be nice. Yes. And then and there would be AIs out there that listen to our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and other this AIs is, that handle the sponsorship side. It's yeah, sounding quite good. Yeah. This is all a self. This is all a deep all fake podcasts. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see if we we should we should try this out at some point. We should get a, a demo of that software and see if we can deep fake a podcast. Uh, Even just a five minute one, it'd be a bit of fun. And a video podcast at that. Let's go to the <laughs> next one. Um, Sphery collaboration is solved. That sounds like good news. <laughs> yes, it is. Well, I don't know. So there's this 2,000-year-old problem. Um, and it's a technical problem with lenses. And it's called, uh, and the, the issue is called spherical aberration. You have heard of chromatic aberration. Most photo nerds have heard of that when you get color fringing at the, yes. edge, of, at, at the edge of pictures, at contrasty edges. Um, yes, absolutely, yes. And there's another one that's spherical aberration, which is, again, if you take a regular lens, if you if you create a spherical lens, like like the way you grind lenses, there's machines yeah. that do that yeah. and they, they are spherical, um, then you end up with the, the rays, the light rays that go through the center focusing at a different spot than the rays that go through the edges of the lens. So yes. what that means is that you get an uneven light field. The, the 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 field, the sharp field that is projected into the camera, uh, ideally will be at the same sharpness over the entire sensor or film. But in this case, it has a bit of a a, a bowl shape. So that's why lenses sometimes are really sharp in the middle, but not as sharp at the edges. Again, very technical stuff. Um, and... Uh, the one way that camera manufacturers were trying to counter that was by including so-called aspherical lens elements. Yes, yes. You've heard of the, the, if you buy a lens, sometimes they have the, have this ASPH on it. And that what that means is there is an element in there that is not spherical, but that has a weird geom geometry that is yes. not a sphere. It seems and to have a logarithmic impact on the price of the lens as well. It does. It does. These, these are not easy to manufacture. These are hard to make, and they make lenses more expensive, but it, they help make the field more even. And the reason why you have to do this is because for 2,000 years, that was, it, wasn't, it wasn't clear how to make a lens that would not have spherical aberration. Mm. So all the manufacturers did was they tried to come up with something and then correct it somehow. And it's, it was always just getting closer to the ideal, but it was never really at 100% even field, okay? So there is now a formula. A Mexican physicist 
had uh, has developed a formula and and if you uh, actually looked at the formula that that's a hell of a formula you, we have a link in the show notes um that formula is yeah it's it's crazy and but but the thing is that that formula allows manufacturers now to that it, the formula describes exactly how a lens needs to look to be to have zero spherical aberration yes so I would and say it probably only describes that for really, really clever manufacturers because <laughs> there are more square root signs <laughs> in here than I've ever seen ever. You could paper a whole wall of a building with it. I love it. I love it. So <laughs> interesting uh, idea. Now that problem is solved. But of course, the question is, does that really solve anything? Because I, I mean, the idea is now that you that you have the formula, the, the, the wish is my wish is that that will make lenses cheaper and lighter because you won't need the corrective elements anymore and it will yeah make them flatter less less lens elements will make smaller lenses so lighter cheaper better and so on yeah which could be really cool um that's, uh... that's the idea but here's the thing um spherical aberration is one of the things that lenses have problems with it's only one because that doesn't do anything about chromatic aberration so you'll still have to correct for that um there's yeah. different goals that lens manufacturers have when they make a lens and i think the 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 lens designs they use are really finely balanced to be as good a compromise between all these different um properties as possible and First of all, introducing these new lens elements, I'm not sure what that's going to do to this fine balance. And the second thing is, as you said, they have got to have, they, they've, they've really got to be very clever manufacturers because <laughs> these irregular shapes, we're talking about a lens with a very specific shape now that yeah. is probably anything but easy to manufacture. So oh. I wouldn't really hold my breath when it comes to... <laughs> the cameras the lens is becoming cheaper they might become lighter but i don't think cheaper well i i yes you're you're, pro you're probably right because i mean the trend over the last 15 years or so is for lenses to get bigger and bigger and bigger isn't it um and uh you know uh, uh, in the in the pursuit of, of ever greater resolution and and edge-to-edge -edge sharpness and things like that um, funny, one of my favourite lenses actually is is a lens where the manufacturer of the lens says, "Yeah, we quite like that it's not perfect. We weren't, yeah, we 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 wanted it to be imperfect." And that's uh, the next thing. That's, <laughs> yeah, well, that's, that's that's one of the things we did on the on the workshop on the light workshop is ah, to okay. work to work with light that um, to work against light. So you have light coming at the lens, and then of course we saw from several lenses we saw different behaviors in terms of lens flares and all yeah. sorts of all sorts of dirt in the picture visual dirt and we ended up pretty much everyone in the workshop ended up going yeah that actually serves a purpose and it's actually nice and it's something that if it wasn't there uh it would probably make the picture not as good yeah. Uh, yes. Uh, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, there's there's a for some reason the story now in my head is a story of the the critiquing of the cinematography in uh, the film Easy Rider. Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> why that story has popped into my head right now, I do not know. But you know, you know, you know the movie, you know, classic yes, um, ca- counterculture movie with De- Dennis Hopper and uh, it's long ago. Then I've seen it. So what was his name? Not Henry Fonda, the son. Can't remember. Uh, uh, never mind. Uh, it'll come back to me. Um, and they, they, at the time, the cinema, the the very deliberately as a creative uh, tool, uh, the cinematographer decided to to shoot uh, in such a way that we would produce lens flares, which was very frowned upon at the time um, in the establishment of, of movie making. Um, uh, <laughs> and then, and then look course, at J.J. Abrams. Uh, well, yeah, well, he's he's th- sometimes he takes it a little bit far, but. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah jj abrams does that i mean that's that's a trademark thing for him isn't it yeah, yeah. the anamorphic flair um uh so you yeah, know and 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 of course you know uh, get, get, um, jj abrams of course done a huge amount of stuff but but very famous for a lot of his sci-fi work um where, where actually a nice anamorphic flair can 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 really add something to a sci-fi th- a movie very true it, especially so. the sci-fis from the 70s those were um some some of those yeah couldn't be wouldn't be the same without the anamorphic flares yeah indeed so yeah interesting <laughs> so so um i mean that's a that's a uh you know you never know with these things do you these these mathematical these theoretical breakthroughs you never know quite what's going to come i think we should probably check back on this one in a little while and see if anybody's actually trying to make a commercial product using this maths yeah, let's find out. Um, yes. So how, how we do that, I have no idea. But like. yeah, I don't know. Maybe, <laughs> maybe if they are proud of proud of their achievement, they will advertise with it. Um, so th- uh, all good things come in threes. I have a third topic, <clears throat> and that's uh, something we briefly talked about in the last episode. But I want to kind of go into a bit more depth. And of course, it's the iPhone eleven. The eleven iPhone eleven. The Army. new iPhone. Um, and especially its camera features, because I there there are a few interesting things about that. Um, well, first of all, the the iPhone 11 has two cameras now. Um, that's the successor of the iPhone R XR, um, and it has a 26 millimeter uh, equivalent lens and a 13 millimeter super wide angle, which is kind of cool. Um, yeah. I'm, and I'm I'm a great wide angle fan. I wrote a book about it, so wide angle is, <laughs> oh. is really really near and dear to my heart. So I'm, I'm really yes. happy about that. And then the the plus version or the pro version has an additional 52 millimeter equivalent lens, which they call telephoto. Um, yeah, that would be the one that would suit me, I think. Yeah, so it it has a lot of interesting things, but it's it's interesting because now this. Yeah, the, the the pro version has uh, three cameras on the back, and if you if you look at it, if you lay, lay it on its, I, I don't have it, I've just seen it, but if you lay it on its uh, display, it almost looks like a like a like a stovetop in the kitchen, you know? Yeah, these uh, three yes, yes. Things. <laughs> good, good, yes, good analogy. So let me let me ask you a question, then, because you, know, you have the the R, don't you, which comes in different colors? Do you have a case on that? Uh, a bumper. A bumper, okay, because much is made of of the the phone bump, um, and and you know usually in a negative way that it's not a good thing. Um, I I always keep my phones in cases that have a back, 
Yeah, um, that, and that... so and so the, any 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 bump on the back of the phone is is uh, is never any higher than the case that I put on it anyway. Yeah. So. I don't mind the. I, I'm kind of sometimes I have the bumper on, sometimes I don't. Um, I don't mind the bump, the camera bump at all. Doesn't no, I don't know. Um, but but yeah, if I have that bumper on, which just goes around, it doesn't cover the front front or the back. Um, that yeah, kind of equalizes that camera bump interestingly enough now they have kind of a double bump which is very a funny. double bump well you have the camera bump like the camera itself being right. like a, a millimeter in height or something along those lines and then this whole thing the whole assembly of the three cameras in the in the pro model is again risen up slightly oh i see it's like a pedestal that the cameras are on i i believe it has to do with the depth they had to get some additional depth in um, I would love to see measurements on that, <clears throat> but I believe it's higher than the actual that the, than the last generation's bump, right? Um, right. and a lot of people don't like that. I don't really mind that because I think the cameras are kind of interesting. If you look at those, especially the one with the three cameras, do you know the Bolex H16 or? I know of the Bolex range of cameras. I can picture. I, I can picture the sort of thing. I think you mean the one with the rotating lenses, with the revolving lenses in the front. Um, you see this. You see the same with like really old television cameras, um, and they had like this one tube in there, but then they rotated the lenses. This one looks almost like that, or it reminds me of that. But you don't rotate them. They have each of those three cameras has their own sensor. Um, yes, yes. But it really yeah. reminds me if you if you Google Bolex H16, you will get plenty of pictures with the three lenses on front of a of a film camera. Yeah. Um. Okay. So what else yeah. has he got? Well, it's it's got night mode now, which is them catching up to Google and Huawei. It's, it's this mode where I think we briefly talked about it here, where. Uh, Google had that in the Pixel 3, I think, which is a mode where uh, which shoots at night by taking a bunch of longer exposures and then do some magic, co combining them into a photo. And Apple has caught up on that one now. It's just a well, that's good. Yeah, catch and up I'd, kind of feature. I'd like to. I'd like to think because I haven't had a chance to try. I'd like to think that that would be good in. Uh, not not in just at night time, but it, uh, at getting you a a, a better. Yeah, a better or lower noise floor, I suppose, in, in the image. Than, it, there is you know, no way. There is no way to enable it manually. Oh, okay. It comes on automatically, so it needs some darkness. I think you can force it by holding the hand in front of the camera, but um, you have no way to switch it on. At least not in the in Apple's. Right, yeah, the, you, you need a third party app, and maybe nobody's written one yet because it's not out yet. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, so so the the night mode, um, yeah, it had to come. It was clear that this would come. One thing that I'm impressed with is their style of, um, well, the the way you compose photos, and it really reminds me of range finders. You know how a range finder shows you the picture, but it shows you more around it. Yeah, with the bright lines. Or in, you have a bright the, lines in the, in the viewfinder. Yeah. yeah, and and you you get to see a bit more, so you know what's coming into the frame. And what they are doing now with the with the wide angle and the super wide angle lens is that they use them together. So when you compose the photo, let's say you you're using the middle lens, the twenty six millimeter, right. it will show you a wider view with an overlay. 
Oh, right, okay. So it uses the wider camera to give you more context when you compose. It's like a rangefinder in that respect. And that's kind of, that's a feature. I'm, I still have a good phone. I don't need one, but I want one now. <laughs> it's, this is, that's it. Yeah, that's, that's, that sounds like it could be quite interesting. I, I'm not a rangefinder person. I don't really get on with rangefinders. Um, uh, I'm much more of a see through the lens kind of person, but the uh, you know the, the that having the extra space around your composition is, is about the one thing that I do like about rangefinders. Right. Now the addition, the additional context, uh, even if I shoot with an SLR, I will often open my other eye and look and kind of get more more of a situational awareness of what's what's happening around me. When I take ah, pictures. yeah, so that, that would be this. nice. I, I rarely can I find a camera I can do that because my left eye is my dominant eye. Ah, uh, yeah, okay. And so ra- rarely do I have find a camera where if I open my right eye, I can see stuff. Now, of course, uh, what kind of goes against that is it's a smartphone. You're looking at the display, so you're holding it up in front of you, so you have awareness of what's going on around anyway. So Good point. <laughs> possibly not as as big, but it looks kind of very cool. Um, let's say if you want to shoot video, now you can do this directly by keeping the shutter button pressed. So they have this, what they call quick take. Oh, okay. So yeah, that sounds useful. Quicker could, access could to video. Uh, the front facing camera, your selfie camera is now, uh, 12 megapixels and it has slow motion built in. So they, <laughs> I'm not sure I want to say that word too often, but they, they touted the, the term slow fee. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, you know, you know what I think is going to happen. I will probably take a few pictures where I go, you know, <laughs> and do very slow motions of myself shaking my mouth around, and then that's okay, probably I'd like, yeah, I look forward to seeing those posted on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, port- portrait mode, which and again, Apple calls portrait mode, and it's it's the artificial shallow depth of field the artificial bokeh yes um that's now apparently more smart Uh, used to be only for people now it's also for pets and objects so yeah well you know know, computation based around depth maps is is definitely i think still in its early days i mean the 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 examples that i've used you know there's clearly room for improvement so i I, this yeah as you say apple call it portrait mode but i'm really interested in the depth map depth map yes i did say that depth map uh technology and the computational algorithms behind that um uh and just to, just to see where we get to with that I, I i'd like to get to a point where i can choose on my phone whether i'm shooting with uh a, a classic anamorphic lens or whether i'm shooting with a pet spell lens or whether you, you, do you know what i mean do, do you want an artificial virtual pet spell lens well, it'd be better than think, having to buy one. <laughs> I, I, I kind of think this is also about the, the the whole hardware brass kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, no. So, so I get that, but that that's not really my thing. But there's just on occasion, I'd like to have some of those things available. You know, uh, just on the case, or you know, and and you know, just on occasion, I'd like to have lens flares available, and just on a, you, do you know what I mean? And yeah, to, so, I know, I know. if you could take it, if you could take the depth map technology uh, and add uh, and combine it with, um, you know, uh, special artificial effects, swirly bokeh. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Why not? You know, I mean, at some point we end up stop talking about photography and start talking about digital art, but yeah, that's okay. It's all right. Yeah. Uh, another thing they they do using the depth information is a new effect they call high key mono, which is a black and white, higher contrast, lots of detail kind of thing where they uh, take out the background and replace it with a white wall. Okay, so it's like, right. it's, I'd quite like to try that. Studio-like looking, um, and you can take it in front of any background because the iPhone knows the background, knows where it is, and takes it out. So that that I think could probably be better even than um, blurring the background. And I find this interesting because I mean they have another one where they do the black background. So this is complementing the other one. It's interesting because they could they could and probably have in in their lab they have so many different uh effects they can do based on that but they are really really trickling them out piece by piece and people are still blown away where i go ah why don't you give us a 10 filter pack based on depth but now it's just one new one well uh, some some third party will, will launch that in the app store and 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 then you get it there's a company who makes ios apps i think they make mac os apps as well called brain fever and they've got some of that stuff ah, okay so, what else? Oh, yeah, their HDR. You know that they have been doing HDR for a while now automatically. You couldn't even turn it off. It's just there. If the if the dynamic range in the scene is too high, it'll do some... Do uh, yeah, multiple you can, yes, see, my phone is so old, you can turn it off. <laughs> okay, well, I can't. Um, now they have what they call smart HDR, which is bringing the faces up. The faces are more emphasized and... Uh, interestingly enough, in their marketing, they something about they say something about even some SLRs can't do that. This okay. is the first time that I see Apple overtly attacking SLRs. Uh, I didn't well, know it's, SLRs it's not an attack, do, do but it's 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 one of those they pointing at SLRs. They name them and they go, "We're better than SLRs in that respect." So, are there SLRs now that then do in-camera HDR merging? Is that is that a thing now? Yes, the SLRs oh, do okay. that. Yes, but but uh, it's really interesting how they kind of have now now have named the the thing they're trying to replace. Because yeah, they never uh, did that before. As le at least I'm not aware of it. Well, clear, clearly, they, they've they've be also been reading those articles that say that the SLR market is on its knees, so they're, they're not afraid of, of it anymore. Then, <laughs> of course. Um, let's see, video. Um, they now have video, sort of properish video editing tools. They're like the photo editing tools, so you can do contrast and colors and stuff on video and crop and rotate and stuff. So that. So, ro was, so rotate on a video is an yes. interesting one. It, uh, that that must take well, quite some. Rotate, uh, the, yeah. They have the technology. They have the fast processors. Um, then they have a bunch of filters as usual, but now you can fade them, so you don't have to put them on full, uh, full, full speed. But you can dial them down, which I will appreciate. Um, and then the crop tool includes perspective correction now. Finally. Ah, okay. That's interesting. So you can have a vertical and horizontal perspective correction, which, uh, yeah, I guess a lot of people will, will be helpful. And that works, yeah, apparently it, also works for video. 
It's, uh, that which could be very uh, that that's interesting. I mean, I think there's a number of apps that have perspective correction in them already, but actually having um, but having it built into the the core operating system tools and having it work on video, I think is it, it shows shows some progress. So uh, yeah, in- so, interesting. Anyway, that's the news from the Apple front. Um, of course, there are plenty of other good phones out there with great cameras. So. Um, just happens that we're Apple users. Yes. So, so yes, I'm sort of <laughs> sit, sitting here surrounded by my Apple kit. Yes. <laughs> anyway, that's kind of yeah. That's that was our bits and bobs for this week's episode. Just one last note on the phone. Just, sure. just, just. If I, mean, I know you've said you, you got a, a new phone only a year ago. My current phone is four years old, and I have to say this is the first phone announcement I've seen in that period that has actually got me thinking about upgrading it on the basis of <laughs> the functionality that I would get. <sighs> it's the first time I've seen something that I consider to be uh, you know, a big enough leap from what I have. It's Apple's reality distortion field in full effect. Well, uh, y- yes, and, and also because my phone is really old. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it genuinely is actually a, a step up. <laughs> so. <laughs> Yeah. But do I want to do I want to spend eleven hundred currency, whatever your currency is? Well, I think can, it's more or can, less the same price. You can you go are, for the it? for the eleven with just two cameras, and you get most of that. And um, and it's yeah. But I like that. No, if I was to do it, I'd want that. I'd want that fifty mil equivalent <laughs> said, because that's said, the way my brain works. I just said the word cheaper, but with big big air quotes. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. Okay, let's let's wrap this up with the picks of the week. I... Picks of the week. I have one. Okay, you, I go, have first. One. you go first. And and this is a slightly generic one, but I'll give specific examples. My pick of the week is hardware. Right. Hardware. All, all in of those things. All of those things with which you cannot live without when you are actually trying to make and take good photographs. Um, you know, I, I talk a lot about lights and the lights I use, but rarely do I talk about, I think rarely do I talk about the other stuff. So, uh, and, and it's actually the things that you, you, you know, often this, these are the get out of jail cards. It's those, it's those cheap clamps that you bought a, from a market store mm-hmm. 10 years ago that suddenly you have a use for. It's, um, I've got a, what is it that I, I don't even know what to call it. It's, it's the crossbar from um, my backdrop kit. I recently repurposed. It's now standing floor to ceiling in the corner of uh, of my study, and I've put a clamp on it, and I've got a light on it. So the, the the light above my desk in my study is a photographic light where I can change the color. I can have all different ki- kinds of white at different wow. temperatures, and it's just clamped to a pole that is you know an extending crossbar pole, which is now yeah adjusted so that it fits just snugly between the floor and the ceiling. You know, so I, I, w- I want to say hi to all the hardware freaks out there today because hardware is great. <laughs> <laughs> okay, my 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 pick of the week is a is a piece of hardware, which I do Excellent. not have. Well done. <laughs> I I don't have just yet, but it's on the way. I've ordered it, coming from uh from Hong Kong. Uh, it's hopefully here within a week or two, um, and it's it's a flash. Ah, okay. I, again, well, you we can never this, have too many lights. No, we we did this workshop on the weekend, and I'm I'm all into into a uh, into into continuous light, LED based lights, that kind of stuff. But sometimes, you know, you can get a bit. A flash can be really versatile, 
And what we did on the workshop is we took the flash off the camera, of course. You don't want the flash on the camera because the light is not very pleasing. So you want to take it off. You want to change the direction. But then you need a way to uh, to trigger the flash. So you need a wireless trigger and that needs to be charged. And that is kind of bulky. And so it really kind of gets annoying, you know, to carry a lot. And, and so and I recently found this flash by a company called Lightpix Labs. It's the Q22, Roman Roman numeral 2. And it is a, a smallish flash, okay? So it's, it's probably the size of a pack of cigarettes, roughly, uh, whatever that means today. <laughs> but um, it it's a flash that you put on a camera. It has a guide number of 20, so it's not super bright. Um, runs on two AA's. And uh, if you put rechargeable uh, nickel metal hydride batteries in there, you can charge them in the flash using USB. So it's a it's a charger built in, and you put that on the camera, and the and the the, the flash itself swivels up so you can bounce it off the ceiling. So far, so good. And then there's a button at the bottom of the back, and you press the button, and you lift up the flash, and a little square-shaped thing stays in your camera's hot shoe. That mm-hmm. is the transmitter. Ah. It is a tiny transmitter. And it has a lithium-ion uh, rechargeable battery built in, so you can charge that via USB. And a little trigger triggers the flash. And that's that simple. So you can... It's a manual flash. There's no TTL, so you, you have to manually set the set the strength, the intensity, but uh, you can do this from the trigger, has buttons, so you can go up and down in in, uh, in light. Um, it's plenty good for indoor portraiture, that kind of stuff, even with softboxes. You could have a little small foldable softbox with you or a little diffuser or something. Or, or bounce it off a wall or something like that. Bounce as well. it off yeah. a wall, and, uh, it's, it's, and, it, and it comes with a set of gels, different color gels, and it has a built-in little holder, so you can just slide the gels in, and you have your CTO, CTB, all the usual suspects that you would use to either adapt it to a light source or to to change it to go over the top. And it's sixty nine dollars. That's pretty good, isn't it? I've, I'm I'm going to be really interested to see how you get. You'll have to give us an update uh, as to I how will. this works because it looks like a really fun little thing, and and I am a sucker for you know off camera flash, uh, and so it, it, I'm really keen to see uh, how how it works out for you. Yeah, um, and and I and I ordered a set, so you can with one trigger you can trigger up to eight eight of them. Oh, flashes. how many did you? How many did you get? Just two, just two. That's that's a nice idea as well because you could the, the other thing is something that the, so th- with this you could use it as um, uh, uh, just uh, environmental lighting you know if you're if you're shooting somebody in a in a room you could light various different bits of the room and stuff yes, like that you could. And, uh, with some with something this size and and, uh, and hopefully it would be powerful enough to work if you were using a, a some kind of strobe for you know the the subject. Because often I think people try and use LED lights for for lighting or yeah ambient lighting, but then they often but then the risk there is that they get completely blasted away by yeah when you when you bring out the big guns. Well, and if you if an LED light is too bright, uh, your your subject will squint and the flash uh, avoids that nicely. So yes. it's kind of cool, and I think from a from a 
uh, power point of view. I mean, again, guide number 20, not too bright, but um, bright enough for most things. But and that, that can be okay. I mean, I was shooting you know, oh, yeah. recently and I had, you know, uh, I had mine on 128th power, which was as, as, as low as they could go. And I still had to shoot at F8. Yep. Right. So and I was thinking, this is ridiculous. Just, just yeah, to get I'm, a normal shot, I'm going to have to put a three stop ND on the front of the camera. Just, I'm not just afraid. To... I'm not afraid of, of that. Uh, and I think it can shoot somewhere between a hundred. Nope. Was it 200 and a thousand shots, depending on the power? So with full power, I think you'll get 100 or 200. Just on a couple of double A's, I guess, is it? Yes. Yeah. Nice. Nice. So, oh, yeah. well, let, let us know how you get on. I've seen, I've, I've watched some reviews. I mean, that's, again, what YouTube is for. I've watched some reviews of uh, people who tried them, and everyone was like, this is awesome. So. All right. Probably made a good decision. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's see. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm envious of that one. Well, let's figure out. Let's find out when they're there. And yeah, I'm looking forward to those. So that was it for this episode of The Future Photography. We'll be back in a week. You can, in the meanwhile, contact us through our website, thefuturephotography.com or on Twitter at TFOPNow and find all the links we talked about in the show notes. And of course, if you're not subscribed to this, uh, why aren't you? There are so many places. You, you, you will find us everywhere where you find podcasts. Either on our website or in iTunes or in Spotify and so on and so on. So uh, there's no excuse. And yeah, I guess that concludes today's episode. We'll be back in a week from now. Until then, take care. Bye. You've been listening to The Future of Photography, a production by Adrian Stock and Chris Marquardt. Subscribe to the show wherever you get your other podcasts. Find the show notes and more information at thefutureofphotography.com. Hold up. 